1990, E. Lutzer, in his book called Here's Life, Putting Your Past Behind You, wrote about Robert Bruce of Scotland. In the 14th century, Robert Bruce of Scotland was leading his men in a battle to gain independence from England. Near the end of the conflict, the English wanted to capture Bruce to keep him from the Scottish crown. So they got a hold of Bruce's own bloodhounds and got him on his trail. They were chasing him down. The dogs were getting close. He could hear their baying. Boo! You know what I'm talking about, you hunters. Boo! Those big old bloodhounds, that deep boo! Bruce's uh, attendant said, we can hear them. They're close. You are done for. They're going to find you. These are your dogs. They know your smell better than anything else. You are toast. What are we going to do? Bruce said, it's okay. He headed for a stream. He jumped in the stream, and, and, and he kind of went, went upstream. And he waited a short distance upstream, and the water's flowing down past him. And he comes out of the bank, and he finds himself, he's deep in the forest. Within minutes, the hounds are tracing their master's steps, and they get to the bank, and they just look around. The story goes that they went no farther. The Englishmen, they, the soldiers urged on the dogs, and, and, but the trail was broken. You see, the stream had carried the scent away. And a short time later, the crown of Scotland rested on the head of Robert Bruce. You know, the same thing works for us. The memory of our sins, it it can be prodded on. And and Satan gets a hold of it and he just chases us. He's ruthless. He can be like those baying dogs chasing us around. Boo! Boo! You can't get past it. Boo! You'll always struggle with addiction. Boo! You're worthless. Boo! That's what Satan does. And it's just like those hounds, just ruthless. But thanks to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the stench of our sin has been washed clean in a stream that flows red with His blood. You know, by grace through faith, no sin hound can touch us. The scent trail of our sin, the stink of our sin is broken by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And by the forgiveness that we get when when we repent of our sins, when we're baptized for the forgiveness of those sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, what we get is what I like to call the act of forgiveness. And that's the secret of forgiveness that we're going to talk about this morning. The act of forgiveness. There, There are a few things that go with the act of forgiveness. And I'm going to share three of them with you today. But you need to know, once this has happened, once God has repaired our irreparable sin, because it's been said the purpose of the cross was to repair the irreparable. When God has done that, the act of forgiveness now becomes our responsibility as well. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, help us to forgive our debts. Help us to forgive those who have sinned against us. In the same way that you forgive us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
verse 12 of that prayer, the Lord's Prayer as we know it, says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So let me start out this morning by asking you, who have you forgiven this week? I want you to think about that because one of the things that we need to be prepared to do is to forgive. And, and not just on our own time. We need to forgive immediately. This may be the single hardest thing to do as a Christian. Forgive. I think it's difficult for us to forgive immediately because sometimes we confuse sound Christian doctrine with civil rights and with our perceived freedoms. We have, we have rights here in America. We're the United States of America. Sometimes I think we're the United States of the offended, but it's my civil right to be offended. It's my civil right to tell you that uh, speak poorly about you when I don't agree with you. It's my civil right to be angry with you and to not forgive you when you don't agree with me or when you talk poorly about what I believe. It's my right. When you hurt me, when you have a different opinion than me. But that's not what Jesus says, is it? No. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. In his model prayer, he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Well, that's hard to do, John. Yes, yes it is. But I shared an example with you last week. The best example of forgiveness that we have is Christ's forgiveness on the cross. It's the best example of someone who deserved nothing but praise and got the complete opposite of it. He did not deserve what he was getting. And I think about that whole concept. He, he came in on, on Good Friday, the mock trial, the accusations, all these things that happened. And I think probably because I have an overactive imagination, but I think, you know, Jesus could have done any number of things at any moment that would have been justified. I would have been like, yeah, hit him again, Jesus. He, you know, he could have brought in like just a whole army of angels. He could have spoken one word. And his enemies, these, these false accusers, would have been just afflicted with something. I often think how poetic it would be when, when Pilate goes to wash his hands and he brings them out of the water and they're like full of leprosy. Like, I think it'd be great. Are you who you say you are? I wash my hands of this. Whoa. Hey, can you fix this? Yes, I can. I just, I think about it. Jesus could have done any number of things at any moment. He could have, one word before, before the first strike before the first blow landed on him before the first whip cracked one word and a roman soldier could have fallen dead at his feet but he didn't do that instead what he chose to do was stay true to his mission for us he stayed so true to that mission one of the last things that he said was father forgive them for they do not know what they're doing and we sit here this morning, some of us with a non-forgiving spirit in our hearts, knowing that we're refusing to act with forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, I have to tell you, it's time for us to change our attitude of forgiveness into the act of forgiveness. I know we're not Jesus. I know we're not perfect. We all have shortcomings. Well, you guys do. Um, but as Christians, we are called to be a reflection of Him in this world. We're called to act out not with resentment or with anger, but with forgiveness. 
And we need to act in forgiveness immediately. And when we act with forgiveness, we also have to do the second part of that. We have to forgive fully. And now I'm about to start meddling, as they say. The second secret about the act of forgiveness, first we have to forgive immediately. Don't hold on to it, because the longer you hold on to it, it's going to eat you up. Forgive immediately, and then forgive fully. You have to let it go. No imposed conditions. That's what we do sometimes. No, no more of this. I will forgive you, but I won't forget. We can't do that. That's, that's not what Jesus calls forgiveness. No more of this. I'll forgive you this time, but don't let it happen again. If God said that to you, dear Lord, please forgive me because I lied. Please forgive me because I was angry. Please forgive me for that thought that I had. If God's response was, I'll forgive you this time, but don't let it happen again, you would not be forgiven for those things. That's not his response though, is it? Because his act of forgiveness is full. I love verse 14 when when we follow through the Lord's prayer, if you will. It says, when we act with forgiveness, we must forgive fully. Because verse 14 says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That is a full and complete pardon. That no strings attached. As far as the east is to the west. Forgiven. Even when you do it again. Some of you don't like what I'm saying. But we need to remember that our rights or our perceived rights as free people never trump what Scripture tells us. You see, the thing you need to remember about the act of forgiveness and about forgiving somebody fully is these are not always, or excuse me, these are always linked to Scripture. These, these, these acts, forgiving quickly, forgiving fully, that's not connected to your preferences because I know what your preferences are. They're like mine. No, I'm not going to forgive you. That hurt. That's what our preference is. Our preference is to, to build that wall, to hold that grudge. But that's not what Scripture says. When we practice full forgiveness, we will find forgiveness to the degree that we grant it to other people. Listen to what Jesus said after He shared with us how we should pray. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, there's always a but. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, that's what Scripture says. That may not be your preference. It may not be my preference. But that's what our God tells us in regard to forgiveness. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, we, we have another example. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 18. We have another example of what happens when we don't forgive like our Heavenly Father forgives us. Uh, Matthew t- chapter 18 verse 21 says this. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant, by the way. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? He thinks he's being generous here. I mean, after all, how many times should I forgive you? How many times should you forgive me? Seven is a pretty good... If you keep doing the same thing to me after seven times, I'm going to get really tired of of forgiving you. 
Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Oh. And then he tells a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this time, or at this, the man, the servant, fell on his knees before him. He, he said, be patient with me. He begged and I will, ple- I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt. He didn't have to pay anything. You know, that's what canceled means. He canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, They were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master called in the servant. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have shown mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. In verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I hear what Jesus is saying here. All right, do, you hear, do you hear what Jesus is saying here? But I have to ask, does Jesus know what He is saying here? <laughs> He's telling us no matter what's been done to us, We must forgive. Because our debt to God is far greater than any wrong that will happen to us on this earth. Our personal sin against God is greater than whatever has happened to you growing up. Whatever job you got passed over for, you got stabbed in the back and lost, whatever it is, we're like that guy with those ten just bags and bags of gold. And our friend... They owe us a hundred bucks, a hundred silver coins. Drop the debt. I grew up with a lot of dysfunction in my life. Most of you know that. I often joke around and say that my family that I grew up with, we put the fun in dysfunction. That's what I would usually say. But one of the hardest things that I had to do as a Christian was to forgive family members because they treated me what, what, what we considered was a normal way to treat somebody. And I realized it wasn't normal to treat people like that. It wasn't normal to raise a kid like that. And, and, and as, a, as a Christian, as a young Christian, I had, to, I had to forgive them. It's not easy to forgive fully. It's not easy to forget the wrongs that have been done against you. And I don't like writing sermons like this because it makes me think about all that stuff. But Jesus said, if you expect to be forgiven by our Heavenly Father, then you must forgive. Must. 
It's not an option. It's an action. You have the act of forgiveness. And again, well, you don't know what I've gone through. You guys don't really know what I've gone through. But I can tell you this, it's a lot easier to forgive somebody while they're still alive than once they've passed away. Corey Ten Boom tells a story of not being able to forget a wrong that had been done to her. She said, I had forgiven the person, but I kept rehashing the incident in my mind. And she couldn't find peace with the issue. She couldn't even sleep. And finally, Corey says that she cried out to God to help her, to put this problem to rest, to move away from what had been done to her. And his help came in the form of a Lutheran pastor. She wrote, I finally confessed my failure after two weekless, two week, two sleepless weeks. There we go. I was trying to say two weekless sleeps, but that doesn't work. After two sleepless weeks, she says, I confessed to this pastor that I couldn't let this go. And she said his response was something like this. He said, up in the church tower is a bell. And that bell every week is rung by pulling on a rope. He said, but you know what? After the sexton lets go of the rope, ding, 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 ding. After he lets go, the bell keeps on swinging. Ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong. And it gets slower, ding, and it gets fainter, dong, ding. And then it stops. He said, I believe the same thing is true with forgiveness. When we forgive, we take our hand off the rope But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, if we've been harboring that act of not forgiving for a while, even when we let go of the the rope, those angry thoughts will keep coming in for a while. But they're just the ding-dongs of the bell. Ding-dong. Slowing down. Corey Ten Boom says, and so it proved to be for her. She said, I admit there were a few more nights, midnight reverberate, reverberations just kept coming back a couple of dings when the subject would come up when someone would ask her about something it might spark a thought she said but the force which was her willingness in the matter her willingness to hold on to it the force had gone out of those thoughts they came less and less often and at last they stopped altogether you know when it comes to the act of forgiveness when it comes to the act of forgiving fully, we can, like Corey Ten Boom, trust God not only above our emotions, but we can trust God above our thoughts. The reason the act of forgiveness and the act of forgiving fully are so important is because of this next point. And this is a hard one to comprehend, especially as Christians. Failure to forgive may indicate that you haven't been forgiven either. Don't let your pride keep you from being forgiven. Just because we forgive, and this is the flip side of that coin, just because we forgive people quickly and fully, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to change their behavior. And we often miss that. You, you hear stories about how, how someone extended forgiveness and, and then everybody was like, oh, It's all happily ever after. But it doesn't always happen that way. I want to share this story with you. Albert H. Q. He's the president of Prison Fellowship Ministries. He shares a story about a lady. 
And it starts like this. She says, the man I ate dinner with tonight killed my brother. But she ate dinner with him at a prison fellowship banquet in Seattle. Albert said when she was telling him this story, it just amazed him. She told him how John H. had murdered her brother during a robbery. And then he served 18 years in prison for it at Walla Walla. After he got out of prison, he settled into life on a dairy farm. She met him at the dairy farm in 1983, 20 years after this man had killed her brother. Her name was Ruth Youngsman. She was compelled by Christ's command to forgive. And she tracked this guy down and went to her enemy and forgave him. And then she took this man to her father's deathbed, prompting reconciliation between her father and this man. Now that's, a, that's tough to do. But it didn't change this man. Some wouldn't even call this a success, a success story because John H. didn't in turn dedicate his life to Christ. He didn't in turn uh, necessarily become a different person. But at that same prisoner fellowship banquet, his voice cracked as he said, you know Christians are the only people I know that you can kill their son and they will make you a part of their family. He said, I don't know the man upstairs, but he sure is hounding me. <laughs> Boo! Boo! Sick him, Jesus. Give him heaven. Yeah. <laughs> this lady, Ruth and her father, not only forgave the man that killed his son, her brother, they embraced him as their family. They didn't just say, ah, we forgive you. They said, you're going to take his place. You're going to be my son. You're going to be my brother. They embraced him as their family. As far as I'm concerned, his story is unfinished. I haven't followed up yet or, or found anything that says he's accepted Christ, but that doesn't matter. Because just as Christ died for us, regardless of our actions, regardless of our acceptance of what he did for us, he still did it. And just like Ruth, she forgave this man without qualification. Even more so, she became his friend. More than that, she became his family. Even more than that, she became the best reflection of Jesus Christ that she could be for that man. And according to our rights, according to our freedoms, that man should have been her enemy for life. I'm reminded of the story where a man once said to John Wesley, I never forgive. To which Wesley replied, I hope, sir, then, that you never sin. You see, the secrets of forgiveness are really quite simple. Jesus instructs us that we're to forgive one another. He instructs us that failure to do so grieves God and limits God's blessing. And it also limits our usefulness for what we're called to do for Christ. We're called to be a reflection of Him. We're called to be His hands and feet. And if we can't forgive, it can almost render us useless. It makes us stumble around in our spiritual walk. Unforgiveness will cause us to stumble more in our spiritual life than the discipline that we think will bring someone the justice that they deserve. 
when the reality is the act of forgiveness is on us. I don't know what you need to do this morning or how you need to respond to God's word, but I do know this, that you guys have been listening these past few weeks as I've talked about and preached about forgiveness. I've received text messages from some of you and phone calls, and I've, I've, heard, I've had conversations with some of you this month where you're sharing with me how you're responding to God's word, how you're forgiving, and how you're reaching out to people. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Some of you have even shared with me how you've reached out to other people for accountability in your life, how you've confessed things that you need prayer and accountability with so you can be forgiven, so you can move away from toxic behaviors. Some of you have shared with me steps you've taken to change your attitude of forgiveness. My prayer this week has been that as a church, we will continue to move forward together, embracing the act of forgiveness and being a strength for each other so that we can live out the act of forgiveness. Not just forgiving one another, but forgiving whoever has sinned against you. For whatever the reason, brothers and sisters, the most important thing we can do is take care of one another spiritually. And that means that we're accountable to one another. Don't ever think that if you come forward, if you respond by coming forward and asking for prayer or accountability in life, that it's a sign of weakness. That's one of the things that was shared with me a few weeks ago. I wanted to come forward, but I didn't want people to know that I was struggling with something. Folks, in my opinion, it takes more strength and courage to walk up here and ask your church family to pray for you and to pray with you about something, to admit a struggle or a weakness than it does to silently live with something that you allow Satan to use to separate you from God. Final secret about the act of forgiveness is that that starts with being able to forgive ourselves. And then you can forgive others. Quickly and fully. No strings attached. Sometimes our worst enemy when it comes to forgiveness is ourself. We try to move on from something, but it's too much fun beating ourselves up over that past mistake. No ultimatums. The secret of forgiveness is we need to figure of ourselves. We need to forgive others as God forgives us. Will you consider what that looks like for you this morning? Think about whatever it is that you need to do to make that act of forgiveness a reality in your life. As we stand and sing our response song, will you respond according to what God would have you do? Will you stand and sing with us? been great to worship with you all this morning and to be here with you to share the secrets of forgiveness with you today but now it's time to go as you go today go with the spirit of forgiveness on your heart make it a point this week to be quick to forgive and be slow to hold a grudge or seek vengeance let god take care of those things while you go go being the best reflection of the love and forgiveness of jesus christ that you can be this week will you sing this last song with us